Hey, we are in part four of this series called How to Win a Fight. How to Win a Fight. Those of you guys who've been here for every single part of it, or maybe you listen to the podcast, you've heard me say this six or seven times, but I'm going to catch, David says, okay, if I catch everybody up to speed real quick, super quick. Hey, we've been going through this series because it says in the book of Ephesians chapter six that we are in a battle. The Bible says, uses the word war, and it says that uh, we're not in a battle against flesh and blood, but against spirits. Oh, we're talking about like spiritual stuff at church. Did you know we do that sometimes? We're talking about... We are in a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against spirits, against cosmic powers of evil. Some of you guys walking into part four of this, you you might be like, what is going on here? What are you talking about here at church? I'm serious. This is what it says in the Bible. So we've been talking about this chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter six, where it tells us there are these different parts of the armor of God. And if we will equip ourselves with these, the pieces of this armor, then we can win the fight. We talked about who our enemy was. We said we, ha- we have a real enemy. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. He's a loser. He's been defeated. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, y'all aren't going to amen enough tonight. I can already tell. I'm going to need a little bit more amening from you guys tonight. We have a real devil, uh, a real enemy. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. And he's a loser. He's been defeated. Somebody say Amen. He's lost. Jesus has already defeated him. But while we're still here on this earth, he wants to try to ensnare us, entangle us, slow us down, trip us up, and keep us from doing our jobs as believers. In uh, the first evening, that was mostly what we talked about. We just got to realize, hey, we're in a fight, and we got, we got to recognize that. In our second evening, for part two, we looked at uh, three parts of the armor of God. It was way too many parts. It was like a 45, almost hour-long sermon. It was way too long. But we looked at the belt, and we realized that the belt of truth exposes the real you. We also looked at the breastplate of righteousness. I'm actually going to read some of these from Scripture. I'm in verse uh, 13 in chapter 6 in the book of Ephesians. He says, take up, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, We realize the belt exposes who you really are, the real you. Uh, Put on the belt of truth, uh, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, we realize that the breastplate protects our heart, the most vulnerable part, the most crucial part of who we are. Uh, We realize after that, after the breastplate, these these words are so tiny. Who's making Bibles these days? In verse, uh, verse 14, put on the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This is what we learned in uh, that first evening together as we were unpacking these pieces. That the shoes of the gospel of peace settle your foundation. After that, we got together for part three, and we looked at the shield of faith. It says, as shoes for your feet, put on the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, Take up the shield of faith. And that shield is there to protect us from temptation, to protect us from temptation from the enemy. After we looked at the shield, we looked at the helmet of salvation. We realized the devil wants to mess with your mind. The devil wants to put negative thoughts. He wants to put doubt. He wants to put fear and, and, and frustration in your mind. So you've got to put on the helmet of salvation to realize we have the hope of Jesus. We have the hope of the gospel. So that helmet protects us and uh, protects our mind. We're looking at the final piece tonight. We're looking at the final piece. We're going to look at the sword of the spirit. And then we're going to realize that Paul kind of closes this whole thing up talking about prayer. Um, how many of you guys in the room, did somebody's necklace bust? Somebody, somebody lost a necklace. 
That was, that was he, you got fingers pointing over here. Somebody lost a necklace uh, or ate some really tiny Cheerios. Um, it's all over the place. I'm going to slip and die. I'm going to die. Uh, if, I, if I slip and bust my head open, Clint will come up and finish the message. That'll be okay. What was I just saying? What was I talking about? Paul closes the entire letter, that, that chapter in that letter by saying, listen, you guys got to pray. So we're going to talk about the sword of the spirit. We're going to talk about prayer. But I want to know real quick, how many of you guys in the room have ever had to have a specific kind of diet? A specific kind of diet. By show of hands, by show of hands, I'm not going to ask you to clap for that because no one likes diets. They're miserable. Period. What did you say? Period. Nobody likes to diet. Nobody likes to be told what they can and can't eat. Uh, Nobody likes that whatsoever. How many of you guys love a good cheeseburger? I love me a good cheeseburger. But there's nothing like a, a, a good old pizza. Nothing comes close to pizza. It's the best food. God loves it more than all the other food. I, I'm putting that in the Bible. That's not real. I love pizza. I need to know that. Where's the best place to get pizza in town? It's not, it's not no, don't you dare name a chain restaurant because it's not a chain. So if you were about to say Domino's, anything like that, shh, Leonardo's, I will listen to that. Amen for Leonardo's? You got like two. What were you saying? Aubrey's mad at me. You just look angry. Aubrey's like, ah, Villaggio's. Anybody else for all Villaggio's? I have not had Villaggio's yet. I don't think. I don't think. Listen, here's the thing. Me and Janae have a, uh, 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 what's this, a routine? It's a, it's not a routine. It's something you do every month. Yeah, I guess. We have decided that the th- third Tuesday of every month is new pizza day. So we go to a place we've never had their pizza before. I think we're going to run out of places in Gainesville pretty quick. So, I mean, you might see us up in New York City because it's, it's, it's new pizza day. And I know we might have to one of these days. I love pizza, uh, but I decided to do something insane because a friend of mine had done a diet called Whole30. They did this thing called Whole30. Um, it's a miserable diet. It is a diet um, where you just act like an awful person for 30 days. That's pretty much all it was. It's, it's like, what are the, the most delicious, like, food groups? Like, you got your carbs. You can't have any carbs. You can't have any added sugar. You can't have any, like, anything good or tasty. Think of something delicious in your mind. Think of it right now. You can't have it on Whole30. You can't have cheese. No dairy, no added sugar, no grains, no carbs of really any kind. It's the most miserable diet that anyone ever invented. So me, having never done a diet before, here's what, here's what happened. Let me, can I confess? Is this a safe space? Is it a safe space? Asa said, no. <laughs> it's not. It's not. This will be repeated so many places. Listen, I had just gone on vacation, and I was feeling, like, really awful about myself. Because I go on vacation, and I eat like a monster. I eat like, like a disgusting pig when I go on vacation. I'm like, the waiter comes, and I'm like, hey, give me two appetizers and, and pasta and some pizza. And if you could, like, pour the pasta on my pizza and then put some bread in, I'll just make a sandwich. That's me on vacation. Anybody else? Anybody else? When you go on vacation, you just eat like a pig. You eat like a nasty human being, and you're just ashamed of yourself. Listen, I, I was ashamed of myself. I came back. Yeah. It's a safe space. They're high-fiving. I came back from vacation with the, the food shame. I just felt disgusting. I was like, Ugh. I was like, Ugh. I need to go run. I need to, like, just detox. 
So my friend Daniel, I had just, he, he just said, I just did Whole30, and I feel great. I said, that's the one I'm going to do. I'm doing Whole30. I didn't know what Whole30 was. I looked it all up, and I realized how awful it was. But I was not prepared for Whole30, and I, I, I made it two-thirds of a day. <laughs> two-thirds of a day. Here's what happened. I came home from vacation, and I was like, enough. Enough is enough. I am getting serious. I'm going to get on the treadmill, and then I am going to eat healthy. Just you watch. And then I, I'm, and I'm going to run a marathon. Sign me up for a marathon. I'm doing that too. And I when in doubt, just do something stupid and impossible that you've never done before. I signed up. I did all this. I bought like $100 of groceries. I never go to the grocery store. And all of it was miserable stuff. It was a bunch of vegetables, and now they're rotting in my apartment because um, I'm not eating them. But I ate like two meals. And they were super clean. I was like, see, I can do it. I look better already. I can tell. I feel better. It's just a miracle. And I was going around bragging everybody. I was like, so I'm doing Whole30. It's kind of a big deal. I was a, I was, I was a punk. I hate who I was. I'm very sorry. I repent of it. Um, I will not do Whole30 again. If I do, somebody tackle me and force a cheeseburger down my mouth. <laughs> but where, where I, made, I made, I ate two meals, and I was feeling really good about myself. And then I went to my friend Brad's house. Uh, Brad teaches the 8.30 life group for the brave folks who wake up early to come to church at 8.30 in the morning. God bless America. And Brad teaches that life group. And we were going over to watch uh, American Idol. Anybody watch American Idol? Alejandro should have got voted off. Uh, we were watching American Idol, and it was all good. He was like, come on over. We're ordering pizza. He's not a good singer. That's all he does. He just falsetto. That's not singing. I'm sorry. We'll talk afterwards. I went over to watch American Idol, and he's like, hey, we're ordering pizza. I was like, that's okay. I'm on a diet. I'll bring my own food. And I did. Me and Janae packed our, our dinner, and, and like a couple of nerds were eating, sitting there eating our healthy food. We brought our own dinner because we're on Whole30. I didn't even have to smell the pizza. I just heard them talking about it. All I did was, I, they were like, why are you doing Whole30? That sounds miserable. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so, no, this is really delicious. It's good. I ate an entire meal. It was like a big bowl, and I literally didn't feel like I'd eaten anything because my body's trained for carbs. My body's like, no, you're missing something here. Go back and get carbs. So I didn't feel like I'd eaten anything at all. And then they're like, like, they're like okay, well, we're going to pick the pizza up. Uh, we'll see you in a minute. I called him. I was like, Brad, you need to pick me up more pizza. Order another pizza. Order another one. I'm, 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 I'm breaking. I give up. I give up. And, like, they kept, it wasn't my fault. They were, they wanted me to fail. Like, they really did. Like, Brad, Jace was there. Jace wanted me to fail. He was like, you should just eat it. It's not even, the, I was like, listen, I'm trying to be healthy. And he was like, yeah, but the pizza is so delicious. Like, yeah, okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. But um, fish and quinoa. Quinoa is disgusting. No, no, it wasn't that. It was cauliflower rice. It was cauliflower rice. It was nasty. And I was like, no, I'm totally satisfied with this cauliflower rice and fish. I wasn't. I said, because they kept pestering me. They were like, you know, it's not that big a deal. And they're like, oh, and by the way, if you want to run a marathon, then you need carbs. And I was like, I do? Oh, you're right. I better eat all the carbs. I said, order me another pizza. It showed up. I ate seven slices, people. Seven slices. Because I'm not a quitter. Unless it's whole 30, I quit as quickly as possible. It wasn't my fault, though. Like, I had, I was defenseless. I was defenseless. Like, I had no way, I had no rationale. 
they were like, you need carbs. I was like, I do? I didn't, know, I didn't have the information I needed to do. I was not prepared to go into this insane diet. Like, no, nobody, I, I, I give up just like that. And Janae was only doing it because I made her. And she was like, and she, as soon as I gave up, she gave up. Uh, she was like, this is stupid anyways. And it was. I gave up because I was defenseless. I didn't have the information I needed. I didn't have any of the prep. I didn't have any motivation. No, 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 like plan whatsoever. I was like, oh, just grocery store. Listen, I was defenseless. But let me tell you, we are, we're going through this series tonight. And we've been going through this series. We're wrapping it up tonight because God has given us an armor. He's given us, I had nothing to fight back with when it came to this, this whole diet thing. I hate diets. I'm never doing it again. But do you know that God has given us a tool to fight back with? Somebody say amen. No, say it like you're about 10 years older and a little bit more southern. Say amen. God has given us a tool to fight back with, and it's, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Look with me. We've been, we, we picked up. I'm going to knock this thing off the table. Just my bad. Read with me. I stopped in verse 15. I read 16 as well. But I want us to read verse 17. Just put a dot, dot, dot there in your mind, if you will. He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? what? Say it out loud. The word of God. Take up the helmet of salvation and also take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen, this is, this is the point where the tide kind of turns. Because I told you at the very beginning, God hasn't called us to charge the hill or vanquish the devil. He's already won. Jesus has already defeated the devil. We don't have to do the vanquishing part. We don't have to do the, you know, uh, take the bunker type part. This is the part. I've been telling you, the Bible calls us to stand. Jesus, the devil's already been defeated. It's not our job to go and beat him. But God has not only told us to just sit there and take it. Somebody say amen. God has not just told us, hey, it's going to stink for about 60 to 80 years, depending on your life expectancy, and you're going to take a beating. Hopefully you make it, and then I'll come back for you, and you'll go to heaven. That's not the Bible. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us, that God has given us a weapon. God has given us a tool that we can fight back because you can, you, you can play defense. Somebody said the best defense is a good offense or the other way around. I never, I never follow that analogy or that saying. How do they say it? Defense wins championships. Well, that's the reason why God told us about five defensive parts and only one offensive part. Because like I said, he's won already. But God has told us, hey, listen, at some point you can keep taking it and you can be defensive and you can stand. But at some point you've got to say, devil, back off. Get off me, please. Okay? I want to show you one passage of scripture. Look at this. The sword of the spirit. We gotta, you guys got to listen faster. You got to listen faster. Gosh, you're just so slow. Um, the sword of the spirit forces the enemy to flee. The sword of the spirit forces the enemy to flee. And when we look at this, we're like, what, do you, what does he mean, the sword of the spirit? When we picture that, we think like, Holy Ghost, oh, Holy Spirit. But he says, that's not actually like Holy Ghost. That's, that's the Word of God. So what, which is it? is it? Is it like the Bible? Is it words? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the Holy Ghost? What, what is it? Let's look at this a little bit carefully. There's two types of, of Word. Because he says the Word of God. There's a couple of things that he means by that. The first is this. The Bible is the Word spoken and written. If you'd like to take notes, this has been the series for you. We don't always do PowerPoint and stuff like that. I don't always do PowerPoint. But if you like to take notes, this is good for you. The Bible is the word. Did I throw it up there? I probably broke it. I probably ruined the PowerPoint. So sorry. But the Bible is the word spoken and written. In John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we're going we're gonna to look at that Jesus is the Word incarnate, but the Bible is the Word spoken and written. So flip real quick or scroll to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't do any hooting and hollering for the Bible. Come on. Let's do it one more time. Matthew chapter 4. That's how it's supposed to be done. That's how it's supposed to be done. We got to like, we got to browse this story because I've been going way too slow. Matthew chapter 4 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit up to this place. And he said, he knows he's going to be tempted. He knows this is all part of the plan. And the devil... That's another word for him. The tempter shows up and said, hey, you're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days, 40 nights. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Then you got something to eat. Jesus answers him with scripture. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil says, ooh, you got me there. Okay, verse 5. But then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, listen, you are the son of God. Throw yourself down, for it is written devil actually uses scripture himself here because he's a manipulative he's a liar he twists things and he perverts things he says isn't it doesn't it say in the bible he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone that's never what the scripture intended to to say this is not the situation that jesus was talking about or the, the, the bible is talking about when that was written but jesus knows this he says again it is also written you shall not put the lord your god to the test He does this over and over and over again. And we won't read the entire passage of Scripture, but basically the devil tries to tempt Jesus into sinning, into into breaking this fast that he had with God, this time of commitment that he had with God. And every single time, Jesus answers him with Scripture, with the Bible, that thing that you're holding in your hand right now. He doesn't, this is Jesus. This guy is fully God, fully man. He, He doesn't say, pop, miracle. I scared some of you guys just now. He doesn't, he doesn't like, he doesn't do anything like that. This guy has done some incredible things. He's brought the dead people to life. He's turned, he's fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He's done some amazing things. He's cast out demons. Why didn't he just go, bam, you're gone? He doesn't do any of that. This is Jesus. This is God. He doesn't answer him with a miracle. He doesn't answer him with history. I love it. There's this other part in Scripture where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they mention the devil, and he goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was there when, the, when, when God cast the devil out of heaven like a bolt of lightning. And they were like, huh? And then they kept on talking about something else. But, like, Jesus doesn't bring up history to defeat this temptation or this argument or defeat the devil. He says, listen, he doesn't say, hey, I remember I was there when you got kicked out. You're a loser and you're a punk and I don't have to listen to you. He doesn't answer him with a miracle. He doesn't answer him with with a history lesson or rationale. He doesn't go, yeah, but technically. He just answers him with scripture. Listen, if Jesus, the, the almighty, powerful God, creator of the universe, answers the devil, fights back against the devil with scripture, I think we ought to fight back with scripture. Does that sound good? Does that sound accurate so far? Go back over to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in there. I was just taking a quick detour. There's one thing um, that I find really, really interesting about this. It says, uh, when, you, when you look at some like uh, manuscripts or you look at some commentaries that will really break the words down for you, the word that Paul uses here when he says that the sword is the word of God, 
is not just talking about like words written down. It's not talking about a telegraph. It's not talking about uh, you know, typed words or something like chiseled in stone. It's talking about spoken word. The sword of the spirit is not, how many of you have ever thought, or maybe you did it in Sunday school or VBS, you pulled out your Bible, see, aha, I got the sword of the spirit. It's right here. Listen, the devil is not scared of some paper or some, some leather. Somebody, try, try waving your phone at the devil. Try being like, ha-ha, you can't tempt me. That's not going to work. You, I got the phone on my Bible. I got the, the version ESV Bible app. on. That's not going to scare anybody. God's word, the word that he's talking about here is spoken word. I've mentioned this to you guys before. I mentioned these. The devil can't read your mind. The devil can't read your mind. So maybe you're dealing with some temptation. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you feel like you're being attacked and you thought, oh, I'll just think about the Bible. I'll just like think about scripture. I'll just like, mm, I'll just say it in my mind. Hey, the devil can't read your mind. Speak it out loud. If you're going to speak it out loud, you've got to have it ready. If you're going to have it ready, you've got to memorize it. Listen, I have failed you. If I've never told you, you've got to memorize scripture. I'm saying it tonight. You've got to memorize scripture. You've got to have it so ready that as soon as some, no, that's not right because I know it says this. If, you have, if, you're, if you're struggling with lust and the devil wants to put some, some temptation right in front of you, you got, no, 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 no. David said in Psalms 101.3, I will put nothing wicked in front of my eyes. I'll put nothing vile in front of my eyes. You're struggling with gossip. You can't keep your mouth closed about things that don't pertain to you, about other people's business. You've got to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, I believe, where it says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, only such as is good for building up. Is, is that good? Is it 429? That'd be embarrassing if I got it wrong. It really, really would. Listen, you've got to have those scriptures ready. You've got to be ready to answer the devil with scripture because even Jesus answered the devil with scripture. That's the, that's the sword of the spirit that the Bible is talking about. And you're like, yeah, but memorizing scripture, that's like what we did in VBS. That's like what we did in children's church. That's not cool. Memorize scripture. Like adults need to memorize scripture. When... The Bible talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's talking about the word spoken. That is the Bible. That's the words, literal words that came out of Jesus' mouth. But it's also talking about Jesus incarnate. We don't have nearly as much time as I want to spend on this. Jesus is the word incarnate. That is the word became flesh. The word in human form. We don't talk about this a lot. You might think I'm getting a little Baptocostal. You might think I'm getting like, Zach, you sound like, you're talking about like Holy Spirit. When the devil is tempting you, answer him in the name of Jesus. Nobody's amen. amen. Come on. Y'all falling asleep on me. Don't, don't fall asleep. I can't, I can't preach the message by myself. When the devil is tempting you, answer him with the name of Jesus. Let me tell you a quick story. Me and Janae were going through a series uh, a couple of years ago where we were just, we're just tense. We were just, we just kind of, we were really at each other's throat. We were always arguing. We had like voices raised. And it, was, and, and, and it was whenever we came home, we literally just got miserable with one another. I talked to a friend about it uh, later. And we were just talking about our apartment. We weren't talking about me and Janae. We weren't talking about any of that. He says, I never told you this, but when I stayed with you for a couple of weeks... I felt like something eerie, something like spooky about your house, about your apartment. It's like, really? I had no idea. Me and Janae were driving down the road one time. I'm driving. I got my hand on the wheel, and she's over here in the passenger seat, and I keep seeing she's looking behind her. She keeps going, 
like this. And I was like, what? what's going on? And you guys are like, oh, Zach, you're, you're talking about ghost stories. It's not, it's not ghost stories. The Bible says demons are real, angels are real, Jesus is real, the devil is real. You know, I don't like it. I'm, I'm sorry, but I didn't write it. The Bible says that these things are real. And I'm just telling you, we were under attack. We were under oppression. And I didn't know how to handle it. I just started saying, dear Jesus, I don't know what's going on. In, your na- in the name of Jesus, in the name of the, the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, whatever spirit is in this room, whatever, whatever spirit is in this car, I ask that you would, Jesus, in your name, force it to flee. You got to pray in Jesus' name. And I'm, I, honestly, I wrote that down in my notes, and I thought, some people are going to think that's a little funny. Some people think that's a, little, that's a little bit like hocus pocus. I'm not doing my job if I don't tell you that. I'm not doing my job if I don't tell you what it says in Scripture. Jesus is the Word incarnate. When the devil flees, he's not fleeing you. When the devil flees, he's not fleeing your memorization skills. He's not going, oh, that was a really good prayer. I'd better go now. He's not impressed by anything like that. He is fleeing the, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, who loved you so much that he came and died on the cross for your sins. He's not fleeing you. He's fleeing Jesus, the word, the one that defeated him. We're so out of time. In verse 18, Paul write, wraps up this letter, and he's told us about the sword, he's told us about the shield, he's told us about all of this. In verse 18, though, he says, uh, I'll read part of verse 17. He says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, that is prayer for the saints. And then he says, and pray for me too. Gosh, I need prayer. If Paul, the God, uh, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, if Paul closes this letter saying, gosh, I need your prayer. If Paul, the one who, who, who has traveled from city to city, from church to church, everybody's going, did you hear Paul said, Paul said, Paul said. Like Paul was the authority on Christianity. He's like a super Christian. Paul says, listen, all of this is useless. You can, you can have the sword of the spirit. You can have the shield of faith. You can have all of these things. All of it is going to do you diddly squat if you don't pray. All of this is going to be completely useless if you don't lift up one another in prayer. If you don't say, God, I pray that you would bless my brother and sister. I pray that you would help them to have your righteousness. I pray that you would help them to have your peace. Clint's going to come and lead us in a time of worship and response in just a minute. But we can't move on. Well, there's only six parts of the armor. We were, we we're doing a series on the armor of God. I guess we're done. No, we can't leave this letter without talking about prayer. Prayer is what ties all of this together. Let me tell you why. Because prayer is what demonstrates that all that armor we're, we're, we're talking about strapping on, putting on the shoes, putting on the helmet, put on the breastplate. Prayer is what demonstrates that all of that comes not from us but from God. Prayer is what demonstrates, and it's a reminder to us. It's us humbling and saying, God, I'm not good enough. I've read all these Bible stories. I've memorized these verses. I've spent time in Scripture. I've done all these things, but all of it is useless without your spirit moving in this place, without your spirit working in my heart. God, I can't overcome temptation without you. God, I can't overcome any of these obstacles without you. So we're going to have an opportunity to pray up here in just a minute. And you got, well, we already worshiped. 
well, we pray before dinner. We, we're going to pray up here at the front together. And you're like, I don't know. We're going to pray up here at the front together because that's what I see all throughout Scripture. It says that they gathered together, they spent time in worship, spent time reading God's Word, and they spent time praying for one another, lifting one another up. That's what we're going to do. We're going to come up here. So go ahead and get up out of your seat. Stand up. Make your way to the front of the room. Come on up here. And, and here's what I want you to do. You're like, this isn't how we normally do collective. This isn't how we normally do church. Just come on all the way up here. Fill up this space real quick. Fill up this space. And we're, gonna, we're just going to put your, you're just, if, you got, if you're afraid of cooties, that's okay. Just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And we're going to pray for one another. And you're like, I can pray quietly, right? Yeah, you don't got to shout and scream. You don't got to, you don't got to, no one's got to get loud or showy or anything along those lines. You're like, I don't know the person standing next to me. That's okay. You know they need Jesus, right? You're like, I don't, I don't know who they are. I don't know their name. I don't know how to pray for them. Listen, here's how we're going to pray. We're going to spend two or three minutes while Clint's playing and leading us. And we're just going to say, we're just going to pray that they would put on that armor of God.